Thank you all for worshiping and giving uh, to our church this morning. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, would love for you to open up to John 14 this morning and uh, put a bookmark in Psalm 27. Uh, we will be turning there in just a little bit. Um, but John 14 is where we'll begin our time in just a few minutes. So if there's one Sunday of the year that's probably the easiest for you to pick out the theme of any uh, of what the sermon might would be in any given church uh, preached by any given preacher, it's probably New Year's over all the rest. You never know what spin might get put on Christmas or the Easter story, and a lot of churches don't even do sermons on those Sundays. So uh, I, I think that New Year's is pretty easy, probably the easiest to predict uh, what the talking points are going to be. And I'm not making light. The Bible has several verses and passages that are just begging to be launching points uh, for a New Year's message that, that, that preachers would be foolish to ignore. The, the sermons pretty much write themselves. Uh, and, and there are verses like Isaiah 43, verse number 18 and 19, where God says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers and the desert. So it's such a powerful uh, reminder from God that uh, he is always on the cusp of doing something new and something fresh and giving all of us uh, a, a ability to participate in that and experience that. Um, 2 Corinthians 5 brings that to us on a personal level where Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, anyone who is a Christian, they are a new creature. They are part of the new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So, I mean, hey, you could preach a sermon from these. Really, you, I, I believe that. Uh, these are such powerful reminders of what it means to be uh, in Christ and what it means to have faith in God and to always know that he is doing something new and, and we can be a part uh, of that. It, it, and with the new year comes the obvious connections that with God, we can get a fresh start uh, in him and by his help, we can put the past behind us and set forth for a new and better tomorrow. And, and all that is true. And we talk about that on talk about that on most Sundays, every Sunday really, not just at New Year's. But, 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 but also uh, what's popular and trendy and, and tempting this time of year is to sort of blur the lines between seeking God's will for the new year and basically just kind of saying what we want the new year to bring and, and just kind of crossing our arms until it happens. Maybe you've done that before and, and to mixed results uh, a lot of times. And there's this temptation to kind of speak into existence, right? And, and we wonder, hey, can we do that? Do we have that kind of power to basically say, this is what I want to happen. And maybe God will make it happen if I believe enough. Uh, now, now, most uh, of y'all know this, but there's a whole wing of the church that, that believes that that's possible. Um, not just that your faith is rewarded, but that you can manifest your reality into being. And if you don't, there must be something wrong with your faith. And maybe you've been discouraged before because somebody told you, hey, you just don't have enough faith. And, and I'm not trying to take shots at other traditions. I, I just want you to know what's true and what's false. Uh, and, and I want to be clear that that's not Christianity. That, that's magic. Um, and, and Christianity is real and powerful and practical and life-changing, magic isn't, right? Magic is disappointing because magic isn't real and magic doesn't work and, and superstition doesn't work. But, but, but it's very popular even in the secular world. Um, you'll hear people use words like manifest and you'll hear people say, I'm, I'm you know, sending positive vibes into the world. Like, what, what does that even mean? It's like that our minds can somehow change things if we just sync up to the right wavelength. And I get it. it, it you know, we all want to, things to be different and better. And hey, if 
there's some way we can force that into happening and we can believe that into coming, and why wouldn't we try? Uh, but, but listen, if that doesn't reveal that our hearts are crying for a connection with our Creator, I, I don't know what does. Uh, we know, we all recognize how helpless we are in the grand scheme of things and how at the mercy of the greater universe we are, and we buy into these delusional agendas sometimes that the world sells us on, and, and the church often blends faith with the world's wish-making into its set of beliefs. But, but if you listen around enough, you're bound to hear someone on a much bigger stage with a better smile, with a better smile and cooler voice. They'll try to convince you that you might be able to will whatever version of the new year into existence if you just have enough faith and if you just send enough money, uh, that God will give you whatever you want. And if he doesn't, you just haven't believed enough and you, maybe you didn't give uh, enough. And, and, and I don't want you to mishear me. I'm all about faith. Faith can make a difference. Faith can move mountains. Faith can overcome graves. But it's faith in God's plans over our plans that transforms our lives. It's not the idea that our plans equal God's plans. It's faith in God's plans over our plans that actually changes our lives. Now, I'm not trying to get you to not pray for things, and, and I'm not trying to get you to not chase your dreams, but what I'm trying to do, and what I believe my responsibility to do, is to get you on the edge of your seat and interested in what God wants for you and what God's dream is for you, because I believe it's better than what we can manifest or think up. I believe, and I will always believe, that God's plans are always greater and are always beyond what our little minds can conjure up. Many will point to the verses we've opened to today as the foundation for this manifestation or this willing into existence, whatever version of the new year you might would want. But a lot of times, a lot of preachers just kind of run away from these verses because they've kind of been used in, in wrong ways. But I want us to be bold enough to look at them and really hear what God has for us in this new year. Because I believe it can change your life. And I believe what Jesus is saying can offer us a better version of the new year than we otherwise maybe would have settled for. So we're going to jump right into it. John chapter 14, verse 12 through 14 Jesus talking to his disciples about what it means to put faith in him, what it means to trust in God's plans, what it means to know that God has a plan for us here and in eternity. Then he gets their attention in the most striking of ways in verse number 12. Most assuredly, so when Jesus says most assuredly, you can bet that he means business, that hey, there's nothing more dependable than what I'm about to tell you. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. It's a pretty big statement, right? Greater works than these he or she will do. Because I go to my Father. And that little last part of that verse is kind of like, what does that mean? But we'll talk about that. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything, anything, that's a big, big word to put there. A risky word maybe to put there. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So let's start with a focus on this phrase that Jesus uses in verse 12. Greater works than these will he or she, will you all do. Now, can we just start with something that I think is obvious, but I think we need to say, we need to say this and think about this before we really dig into what he's meaning here. Can we agree that nothing will ever be greater than the work that Jesus did in his death and resurrection? 
Now, I think that's pretty obvious, right? I mean, Jesus says what he says here. I'm not trying to take away from it. But can we agree that he's God in flesh, doing something that we couldn't do, that we needed him to do, that if he didn't do it, we'd be lost forever, right? That nothing will ever top the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God in a body, right? I mean, we can agree on that. So whenever there's a Bible verse that you don't understand, or whenever there's a Bible verse that's tripping you up, the best way to figure out what it means is to figure out what you already know that isn't mysterious, that isn't mysterious or isn't confusing. So we know, even though this verse says, hey, greater things you'll do than I did, we know that nothing will ever top the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the greatest thing that ever happened that changed the universe, right? So when it comes to greater works than these, as in the works that Jesus did and will do, I know it's tempting to get carried away here, but, but I want to make sure that we are settled on the right foundation. Jesus' works were so powerful and so great, they fundamentally changed the universe. I, I mean, they reversed the curse of Adam. The fall of man was reversed. The bondage of sin was undone and broken. Humanity um, was freed from sin and bondage because of Jesus' death. I mean, nothing's bigger than that, right? That, that death isn't forever because Jesus walked out of his grave. I mean, that's the biggest thing that's ever happened. Don't let anybody tell you on something bigger, right? Jesus died, rose again. So that means when you shut your eyes for the last time, you are going to open them in eternity because Jesus promised that death isn't the end. That fundamentally changed the universe, fundamentally changed the makeup of the cosmos as we know it. So with that in mind, what does he mean by greater than. Now he's talking to his would-be church. He's preparing them for life after he's no longer with them in a physical sense. And then down in 15 and 16, he says this to them. If you love me, keep my commandments or stay obedient to my mission, which is important to what he was just talking about. Verse 16, if I pray the Father or to the Father, he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And he's talking about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who is God with us in Jesus' absence. So now it's starting to come together if you put the pieces in place. That he's going to send the Holy Spirit to their hearts in the midst of their community, which is looking forward to the work the church was going to do and does in the book of Acts and has done since Acts ended in, across the last 2,000 years of history. So here's what he's saying. I am going away, but y'all are going to stay, and I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And together, y'all will accomplish greater works than I was ever able to do, because there's more of you, right? In Acts chapter 1, remember what he told them. That you will receive power from the Holy Spirit who has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So I'm going to send all of y'all to the whole world. And y'all are going to be my witnesses. And if you read Acts, they repeat this into their audiences. They, they say, don't look at us. We aren't doing these great things. We aren't accomplishing these great works. We're not performing these miracles. We're not leading these people to God. We are just witnesses of what Jesus did. Don't look at us. We are just putting him on display in as many places and through as many displays as possible. They literally say this in Acts chapter 2. This Jesus that God raised up and of that we are all witnesses. So we as a group are pointing to what Jesus did. And then, they, then it tells us at the end of that story that 3,000 people come to Christ 
because of their witness. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. That those that receive his words, not their words, because their words were just echoing his words. They didn't get saved because Peter preached a good sermon. They didn't get saved because John was a good testi- testified. They were saved because they heard the words of God. And 3,000 souls were added. So, so, I hope you can see the point here. Because there's a method to the madness that I've taken us down. Greater than means many of us witnessing to the power of the one and only Jesus. So greater than means volume and scope and the scale of the church. Because you and I can go deep and wide and take the message to more places, to more faces, on a much greater, uh, much more massive scale. So Jesus told the church in Matthew 16, I'm giving y'all the keys to the kingdom. My spirit is in you. Y'all go in the multitudes, go deep and wide in the church in such a way will paint the world red with my message. And one day, one day he said, when the church is global, international, and it's everywhere, so will I be everywhere. And people will know my life and my light and my love because of the millions, even billions of witnesses that have made me known and are making me known. That's what he means in John 14, 12 when he says greater works you will do than I have been able to do because y'all are gonna go all around the world and take the message that I've put at a very high volume to the maximum volume this world can handle. Okay, maybe you believe me on that. I hope you do. That's nice, Justin. But what about verse 13 and 14? Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father, and this is a big qualifier, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So whatever you ask in the name of Jesus for the glory of God, he says, I'll do. So I'm not skipping this, but I promise, he says, Ask in Jesus' name for the Father's glory, and he will do it. And and this is so easy. I think it's almost crazy, and I don't mean to 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 demean people, but I think it's really crazy that people misread this. The answer is right there. Ask in Jesus' name for his Father to be glorified, and if it passes those those first two tests, he'll do it. Before we even get to the us part, we have to go through Jesus in God's glory, as in we are taught what to pray by what to pray for by this condition. So many people have prayed so many prayers. I have, you have, we all have, and we wonder why nothing changes or nothing happens. And we were told by super spiritual people that we just didn't believe enough. And we felt bad. We felt discouraged. Maybe you were you were, you know, you walked away from faith because you prayed and nothing happened and you felt like God didn't listen to you. We were told we didn't have enough faith, but in reality, the issue wasn't that we didn't have enough faith. The issue was we didn't even consider Jesus' name or God's glory. We were just thinking about our name and our fame. We, we can manifest all we want to, whatever might magnify our name or glorify our kingdoms, but, it, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen because what power do we have? None at all, right? I hate to discourage you right off the bat here, but we don't have any power. But the important thing is that Jesus teaches us how to pray and what to pray for by hearing this format that we should use. And I think this is the perfect setup for the new year. And certainly we are all anxious for what's next. We're all wanting to pray pray and seek God's will for the new year. So, So I wanted to preface the real message with this little 
intro, I wanted to preface it with this because I want to go ahead and tell you some things we aren't going to pray for in 2023. And you can if you want to, but I'm just not going to, I'm not going to, and that doesn't mean you can't, but I, I can't make you do anything, but I am encouraging you. I think this is a, a pretty good foundation. You can find plenty of sermons out there that, that might tell you you should do this, but, but we're not going to dream or will any of this, any of the following into existence. In 2023, we are not going to chase after the best year ever. And we're not going to pray for or chase after the most successful year ever, however you quantify best and however you define successful. Now, you can if you want to. Nothing wrong if you do. But we aren't going to. I, I can't pray for you, but I think this is helpful. Now, here's my case, aside from what we just talked about. Let's all go back to an, to an idyllic time, which feels so long ago, to, my, to a dream world January 2020. Remember that? Those were good times. We were all so naive, weren't we? And we were so silly. We, we made fools of ourselves, falling for this illusion of this symmetric, cool-looking number. And we all, like sheep, come on, you did it, declared that it was going to be the best year ever. And maybe you do this every year, but you did it 2020. Of course you did, because everybody was doing it, because it was cool numbers. And man, we have egg on our face still, from the mess that fell on top of us, right? Or we walked into. Now, we laugh about it now, but you weren't laughing in March or April of 2020, were you? You weren't laughing any of that year. And this isn't just isolated to 2020. We've done this for decades, and some of us, we maybe hit the jackpot, while others were it was the opposite of experience. But here's the thing. The best year for you might be the worst year for me, right? The, the, the best year for you might be the toughest year for everyone else, the, the worst year for 90% of people may be the best year for you or vice versa. So I think if we just talk about this out loud for a minute, it becomes obvious that declaring a year to ascend to some impossible standard is really just setting us up for disappointment. And someone might say, well, you just don't have enough faith, Justin. Listen, I think 2020 rears its head and says a lot of people had a lot of faith in 2020. And everybody faced the same problems and the same frustrations, right? Here's the little secret that nobody wanted to tell you back then, but I'll tell you. Faith didn't prevent 2020 from being a nightmare. No amount of faith in believing could have prevented 2020 from being what it was, but faith saw us through the night and delivered us into a new and better morning. That's what faith is all about, actually. Do you see the point of how we should understand faith? Faith doesn't prevent bad from happening. Faith doesn't guarantee the best to happen. Faith sustains us and shows us the good through it all. And I mean all of it. And that's the word I want us to latch on to for 2023. We aren't chasing after the best. We aren't chasing after the most successful. But we, or at least I, I hope you would join me. And you may say, Justin, you're really setting the standards low. But I, I don't think so. We are going to pursue a good 2023. Now, I know, I know, just a good year, that sounds so modest, but I, but I think maybe we've lost sight of what good means, and we've lost sight of where good comes from. And it's on that note, I'd like you to turn back with me to Psalm 27, which I think, I think I, we as a church should anchor our year in this passage, a, a text that I want you to return to and reflect on, even commit to memory if you can, in 2023. Uh, the, the, this psalm reminds us and it centers our hearts on the goodness of God. 
And it invites us to do something very specific. To set our expectations around God's goodness before we allow any other standards. So you can let other things influence you and inspire you, that's fine. But before you let other standards influence you and and inspire you, we're going to center our expectations on the goodness of God. Now we've talked about this, but, but this is about establishing a proper foundation on which to build the rest of our lives on. If your foundation, if your expectations are based on false pretenses and foolish illusions, you're just setting yourself up for frustration but it's also about the focal point of our worship you see a lot of religion nowadays really all of religion is about self-worship societal worship national worship more than it is about god worship as in uh, a lot of religion many strands of christianity borrows from what sounds good from the bible in order to prop up a worldview that centers around everything but jesus And we cherry-pick Bible verses that we think makes for our best and our society's best and our country's best. And when somehow we all end up quoting the same book, but we all live different, even opposing lives and motivations, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, that's what happens when we don't make Jesus the center of it all. And we don't let God's goodness direct us all. So I want you to read... Uh, Psalm 27 is going to keep, going to help keep Jesus at the center so that we would desire him above everything else, so that we're positioned to see his goodness in all of our experiences and realize that it's superior than every other option the world offers us or that we come up with. So read with me Psalm 27 verse 1 through 5 and listen to David sell us on this better vision for the new year. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength or the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come up against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, in this I will be confident. Verse four is the one I want you to highlight and and think about memorizing. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house or the presence of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle or his tent he shall hide me he shall set me high upon a rock first off David reminds us of three things in verse one God is the source our light our salvation and our strength or let me put them this way God is our source of direction, purpose, and refuge. We all understand that light gives us direction. Without light, we don't know where to go, right? I don't have to really explain that to you. Uh, salvation means that God redeems us from a life of no purpose, redeems us of a life of waste and a life of, of wandering after other, uh, other, other guides and other um, reasons to live. Salvation gives us a purpose in that God redeems us and repurposes us for his kingdom. That sin is wasting us away, but salvation revives us and makes us whole. He says, God is my strength. God is, literally, he's using the word stronghold, which is where they would hide, where armies would hide on a mountain whenever they were being attacked because the stronghold of the mountain or a cave would protect them from the enemy. So God is our refuge. I want to think about, think about how, how much grief we would save ourselves if we always went to God first for our direction and our purpose and our refuge instead of some worldly plan, some worldly agenda, or some worldly remedy. 
I think if we make one resolution in 2023, it's that we need to check with God before we check with anyone else for guidance, for approval, for peace. David even acknowledges what we've all experienced when we turn to any other source. He says that we don't have to be afraid or we don't have to fear because if we turn to anyone but God, we only add anxiety and add uncertainty and add stress and fear to our lives. Come on, if you set your hopes on always getting your way and things going your way when the fragile bubble is disrupted, you get super worried, don't you? You get super overwhelmed. If our hopes are in some reality of this world from economic to political, professional, we just set ourselves up for vulnerability. And that's why we feel surrounded and overwhelmed as David alludes to in verse 2 and 3, surrounded by the enemy. But in verse 4, we hear his heart's cry that we would be so blessed to adopt. One thing have I desired and one thing will I seek after. And that is putting God at the center of it all and allowing him to set our expectations and allowing his plans, his guidance, his purpose for us, his refuge that he offers us to be where we return to again and again and again and again. And think about it. Think about all the things you look to for direction. And I'm not saying they're bad things or sinful things, but you still look to things that are apart from God's word and apart from God's will. We just do it, right? We turn the news on and we get upset whenever things don't go our way. We look for so many things for direction. Think about how many things you look for purpose in life that you, oh, I don't feel purpose today because them or because that happened and and we feel bad and we get down and depressed about ourselves because we didn't go to God and say, God, I, I know that I have purpose in you. Why would I listen to the lies of the enemy? Yet we do, don't we? Think about all the things that we turn to for refuge and for, for, for comfort, right? Nothing wrong with those things or sinful about those things in some ways, but yet we do it before we even go to God. And if things aren't going, going good in our worlds, even if God says, hey, I'll take care of you, we get out of sorts. One thing do I desire. Now, I can't make you, I, I can't make him your one desire. You can't make him my one desire. No one can make him your one desire. Let me just say this as well. You can't make him someone else's one desire. You can't make him your children's desire. You can't make him your parents' desires. You can't make him your husband, your wife, your family's desire. This is something you have to do for yourself. And let me try to say you on this as best as I can with the few minutes that we have left. God is the ultimate source of good. Whatever he makes and wills gets his stamp of good. Genesis 1, remember how it goes. And God did this and he said that it was good. So if God is sovereign and God is in control and God lets this happen and he says it's good, then we can be satisfied in what God brings into our lives. I I don't know what your life looks like right now. I don't know what needs to change or what needs to start or stop, but I know where your help comes from. And I know that it comes from seeking God as your overarching source of light and salvation and direction or stronghold, your direction, your purpose, and your refuge. If you seek him above everything else, a relationship with him, not for worldly gain or benefit, other than just the delight of knowing him, that we are promised a good year if we anchor our faith in the goodness of God. And we can know this, that whatever he gives us, Whatever he gives to us, whatever he brings to us, or whatever he brings us into, there will be something good for us to find there in 2023. 
Look down in verse 13 and 14. David says this. This is such a big, I love verse 13. It's so underrated. I would have lost heart. You know what lose heart means? It means give up. A lot of us have given up over and over again. And this is the reason why I believe. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. This is such a big, I love this. this is, I hope you'll memorize this. That I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say. He's being a little bit demanding there, isn't he? Wait, I say, on the Lord. He says, I know you're about to make the same mistake I've made a hundred times. You're about to put your expectations in the wrong places. You're about to take direction and find purpose and take refuge in the wrong place. I would have lost heart. But I believed I would see the goodness, or I believed I could find the goodness of God in the land of the living. Now, this is really kind of a cool phrase, but what does he mean? The land of the living. That sounds like a movie or a book title. You know what he's talking about? He's calling us to live in the moment, not in the past that you can't change or the future that may never come. And Lord, isn't that a lot of us living in the past? or living in the future, or hoping for some future that might not ever even come. Come on, it's so big. How many of us are stuck in the past? Whatever, whatever we wish things were like, they used to be like, we feel like we're held back by something that's gone over, uh, that, that's happened and we can't change. Ultimately, both lines of thinking come from a place that has never made peace with the present reality that we're living in. We blame ourselves for a bad decision we made so long ago. We blame others for taking things in a direction that changed the world in a bad way and we're unhappy about it. And, and guess what? We've allowed the past to dominate the present in such a way that we aren't really living. I, I, if we could walk in 90% of the churches today and this is the indictment over everyone. That we aren't really living. Church, God is heartbroken by people sitting around dwelling on what they can't change about yesterday. Maybe you blew it. Maybe you royally messed up. Maybe an entire generation came along after you and messed up what you laid a good foundation as. I don't know, but guess what? Your good God has brought you to today. And you know what he says about today? He sees it and it's good. Which means he wants you to forget, he wants to forgive you and release you from the guilt that you are still being held back by. If, you're, if you can't live today because you're held up by something that happened yesterday, God wants to forgive you and release you of that guilt. But also this, if you can't live in the moment because you're angry about other people who mess things up for you or for the world, listen, God says you, didn't, you need to forgive them and quit being so angry. Either you blame yourselves or blame others, but God is the really the one that we're blaming, right? How about stepping into the land of the living and seeking the goodness of God that can be found if we just wait on him to reveal it? I mean, David says, I almost gave up, but I believed that I could see the goodness of God in the land of the living, as in right now. And a lot of us were daydreaming about some version of the future that we think has to happen in order for us to be happy. And that's just as tragic as dwelling on the past. If you're sitting around waiting on some ideal version of your life to develop until X, Y, Z happens, until he or she comes into your life or they change or this happens or that thing comes, works out, listen, you are, you are not gonna give life a fair shot because it hasn't met your standards yet. Come on, what kind of attitude is that? 
We need to start looking for the goodness of God in the land of the living. As in he can be found in the here and now, not in the if and when. Do you hear that? That God can be found in the here and now, not in the maybe one day, someday, if and when it happens. God is good, not because of what he might do for you, but because of what he is and who he is to you. That's what it means to see the goodness of God. Church, I get that we're praying for things to change, and I know we have personal lives and families and a country to worry about, but we, are we going to act as if God isn't already good and as if he isn't already enough? Come on. Like his light and his salvation and his stronghold isn't already sufficient for us? I hope not. Because David says, I realize I had everything I need in the Lord. You know, when he wrote this, he was in a cave. He lived for a decade in the wilderness. And he made a decision. I'm okay if I live out here forever. And, and when, when, when somebody killed King Saul and they brought his head to David and said, David, look, you can be king now. David says, what in the world is wrong with you? I, I don't want that. I don't want his crown. If God gives that to me, that's fine. But I'm okay out here in the wilderness if that's where I want, if God wants me to be. Because I know that even in the cave, I have the goodness of God to depend on. Now listen, David wasn't always that full of that kind of faith. God had to break him down to get him there, but he got there. If we seek his goodness in 2023, we'll find that there is something to marvel at. There is something to be inspired by with every single day. In the land of the living under the goodness of our God. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be able to wake up? I know that you'll have bad days. We'll all have bad days. But don't you want to be able to wake up on what might be the worst day ever and still have something to be marveled, to marvel at and to be inspired by? Now listen, I can't promise that you're always going to feel like this, but I can promise that if you look hard enough and long enough, God says, I will show you my goodness and you won't be disappointed. It wouldn't be a New Year's service without some resolutions. And I think we've already got a good banner over us. Seek the goodness of God in the land of the living. Desire him above everything else. Above, cherish him more than anything. But I want to leave you with three things. Three specifics that I think will remind you daily that he is good. And will help you see his goodness in each day. Help you marvel at and be inspired by the goodness of God. Number one. Be faithful. Be faithful every single day in the unseen, menial task that God assigns you. The surefire way to experience the goodness of God is to be faithful where he has said, this is my good and this is my good place for you. Listen, this is hard because there are some days that we don't want to be faithful because we don't feel like that we've been given a fair hand or we've been given an easy road to walk. But if you want to make a resolution that will change your life for 2023 and you want to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, not live in the past, not live in the future, if you want to see God's goodness right now, right here for you, be faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says that, it, that it's required of stewards. That means people who's been given something that belongs to somebody else. We know that, don't we? We're stewards of God's life. That the one thing God requires of you, the one thing that God's going to say, let's look back at your life when you get to heaven, is how faithful were you in the life that I put you in? That's the one thing that God holds us accountable for. Not any success or any metrics that the world says, hey, you've done good or you haven't done good. It's, hey, were you faithful? Were you faithful? First Corinthians 7, he goes on to say this, that brothers and sisters, in whatever condition you were called, let him remain with God. Be content and be faithful there. 
Listen, don't get discouraged. If, if I can give you one, one plea today, don't get discouraged. It's easy to get that way. I know, I know. At home, at work, in between. Keep seeking him for direction and purpose and refuge. Keep being faithful. He sees you, acknowledges the work that you're doing. It may not be a mountain to a lot right now in the sight of everyone else, but he sees the people and the places and the purposes that you are working on. Be faithful. It's not lost on him. Number two, be hungry. Now, maybe you're hungry. We're going to go to lunch in a minute. But this is different kind of hunger. Every single day, we need to desire the goodness of God, more of him in our lives. We should pray and understand the circumstances through the lens of how God is trying to grow our faith and deepen our spiritual lives. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, a promise. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. As in, God, I want you to grow my faith. I want to become more like Jesus. I want more of his essence, righteousness. I want more of his nature and less of mine. So if you're hungry for that, guess what? God says, I'll, I'll satisfy you. Paul says this. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification or your growth. So seek the goodness of God and understand the circumstances he may be bringing, your life, bringing into your life or bringing you into. They're because he wants to grow you as a believer, as a child of God. So be faithful, be hungry. Last one, be joyful. Now I know this one's difficult because sometimes we don't feel joyful. We don't feel happy. Be, faith, be joyful in every situation and season. We've talked extensively before, but joy comes from the Lord. The secret in realizing this, experiencing and feeling that joy, is something that hardly anybody ever talks about. We hear sermons about how we should have joy, but nobody actually tells us how we can obtain joy. You want to know, how the, you want to know the secret? You want to know the secret to being joyful every day in every situation? We will be joyful if we rejoice. You know, joy comes from an action, an action, rejoicing. That's something you decide to do. Not something you feel like doing because somebody leads you into doing it or something makes it happen. Rejoicing is an action that you take, we take. The Bible commands us to rejoice. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, as in really, did you really tell me to rejoice on this day? Yeah, rejoice. And then James, who is completely off the rocker, says this, Count it all joy. Rejoice, my brothers, when you meet various trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness, when it has its full effect, will make you perfect and complete. <laughs> Satisfied. So what is, what, is, what, is the, what is the Bible telling us? That in order to get the joy that we want, that we just have to learn how to rejoice and you know how you can always be ready to rejoice? Because you're looking for the goodness of God in the land of the living. Not in something that hasn't happened or could happen or might should have happened. As we learn that God's goodness can sometimes be experienced through the most unexpected ways, we'll never be open to this unless we rejoice. Now let me tell you up front, the first 20 times you do this, you are not going to feel anything. You're not. You're going to think, why am I doing that? That doesn't make me feel better at all. I feel silly. But as you make a habit of rejoicing, as you stay hungry for God's will, as you remain faithful in every season, you will begin to realize that, there, that you have more good in your life than you could ever imagine or ever use up. Circling back to our talk earlier, it comes down to faith. It really does. Not faith to make whatever you want happen, but faith in the goodness of God.
Psalm 27 invites us to put our faith in a good God who's always with us, who gives us light, salvation, and refuge, not in what he might do, but in who he is and what he's already provided for us, direction, purpose, and peace and refuge. You want to have a good start? You want to start the year off and you want to have a good year? Let's kick the new year off by gazing upon the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's right now. For a lot of us, this is about perspective change. It's an attitude change, but it's not just a mental exercise. This is a heart, a heart issue. This is a posture of your heart. It starts and continues with worship. Worship is that pursuit of good, the desire for good. So, so let me ask you, let me ask you this. Are you really worshiping? Are you really worshiping God? Not just in here on Sundays, but do you worship God every day? Or is this all just a dressed up version of worshiping something else? Yourself, your dreams, your country, your family, some other reality? Have you ever just worshiped God for who he is? Listen, so many of us, this is where we went astray. We don't feel his goodness and see his goodness so, because we don't worship him for who he is. We sort of just associate with him. I think that's where we need to start in 2023. Start worshiping the God who promises us good, who gives us direction and purpose and refuge. David says, I would have given up. I would have lost heart had I not believed I can see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I think you can count on God to be faithful to his word. You'll never know until you begin pursuing him above everything else though. Maybe that begins with you for the first time putting your faith in Jesus as your savior and as your Lord. Maybe today is the day you say, I've never put my faith in Jesus for what he, who he is and what he's done. I've always just wanted it for me. Maybe today is the day you say, I'm gonna put my faith in God. Maybe you wanna rededicate, recommit your faith. Maybe you as a family, you and your family and your kids, maybe you want, you, y'all together want to say, hey, we are gonna seek the goodness of God and not get discouraged this year and not get fed up this year and not be frustrated when things don't go our way. We are gonna be faithful and stay hungry and be joyful in every season because we believe the goodness of God can be found every single day because I'm not gonna live in yesterday. I'm not gonna live in tomorrow. I'm gonna live in today. And God promises, if you live today, you'll find my goodness. Whatever it takes, I want you to set your face towards him today. I promise you, listen, don't take my word, take his word. He will not disappoint you. He won't. I will let you down. Somebody else will let you down. But he will not let you down. I believe we can still see the goodness of God in the land of the living that is 2023. Let's seek him this morning. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being a good God, a God who does not give up on us long after we've given up on you. Lord, thank you for the promise of your goodness that can be found. Lord, as it's tempting this year to start the year off with all sorts of dreams and visions and all that, and that's fine. Lord, I hope that you'll bring us back to this foundation that you are good and your will is best and we can find your goodness in the land of the living if we just keep our eyes on Jesus. He is for us what we cannot ever be for ourselves. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He has given us direction, purpose, refuge. In him, we find everything that we could need. Lord, help us to be faithful and stay hungry and be joyful in all seasons to keep our eyes on the goodness of God so that our hearts might stay full of the goodness of God. God, you're so good. Help us not to forget that this year.
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.